Welcome to the Recruitment Flex with Serge and Shelly. I'm Serge. And I'm Shelly. And we talk all things recruitment starting right now. Welcome to another week of the Recruitment Flex. I'm Serge, and this week we cover a bunch of really fun topics. First one, Better.com fires 900 people over Zoom, and it goes viral. We'll cover is social media for recruitment. It's just not for reposting jobs on all your social channels. And the last topic we'll cover is asking for work sample tests, the right and the wrong way to do it. Shelly, how is it going? Serge, I'm healthy, full of energy. The only thing people keep saying to me is I look refreshed. So I'm getting lots of sleep. I don't know. Well, I'm you know, last week. how you are. Yeah, <laughs> last week already. I was yeah. bragging of how I took care of all my girls and I didn't get sick. Well, yep. guess what? I got really sick a week after they got sick and... It's been miserable. I am recovering. I am on the men. I'm feeling a little bit better. I'm just glad it didn't happen last week because for the audience, me and Shelly did our first road trip together. We went to (laughs) the fun city of Regina, Saskatchewan. You really know how much you can tolerate somebody when you're locked in a room, a windowless meeting room for two days straight. It was a yeah. lot of fun, though. It was a lot it of was. fun. It was. It was a ton of fun. Great organization. But yeah, you're right. We spent a lot of time together for two days, and I wasn't yeah. sick of you. I, I was happy that we went our separate ways at the airport. But aside from <laughs> that, it was a great time. Yeah, I thought it was fun, too, because we were really brought into the fold of this organization, and they want to fix their talent acquisition and being trusted with all the pimples and bruises and warts. And I loved it. Serge, just for the audience, Serge opened up every uh, meeting with a, this is a judgment-free zone. (laughs) So people just told us exactly what was happening. It was awesome. I think we're really going to bring some huge value to them. Yeah, it's funny. I FaceTime with my parents every couple of days so they can see their grandkids. And they were asking me how work and everything is going. So I just got back from Regina. And my daughter screamed. She's like, you went to vagina? No way. <laughs> yes. she. No. <laughs> it's hilarious. Like my parents couldn't stop laughing. Because so. that's oh, what I think. somebody hit record. <laughs> yeah, when you say Regina, that's exactly what I'm thinking in my mind. But it's nice. <laughs> If you ever have a chance to travel to Regina, do it. It's yeah. pretty cool. Well, do you know, they're a very underserved market and a small market, right? So I think a lot of vendors hop over Saskatchewan and Manitoba. But my experience in Saskatchewan, Manitoba is they're just so nice to do business with. Yes, they really I, are. I agree. For yeah. all our international listeners, Regina is uh, in a province called Saskatchewan, which is right next to the province where we're at. It's probably a million people in the whole province. In the whole province, yeah. Yeah, not very big, very flat, but also really nice people, like Shelley said. So, yeah. Well, and you know, the other thing that I think our listeners are maybe interested to hear would be that they are also struggling for the same reasons everyone else is in terms of talent attraction and what was working before isn't working anymore. And so it is universal, as we found out from our friends down under in Australia, same thing. And 
So this isn't isolated to certain industries or certain countries. People have changed what's important to them, where they work and what they do. We've been talking about nice people. How about we talk about not so nice people? (laughs) Okay. This topic is on fire, right? This topic has definitely gone viral across the world. For everyone that hasn't heard of this or is just hearing about it now, a company called Better.com, which is a mortgage company in the fintech space, laid off a significant portion of their workforce. So they laid off 9%. And what was really intriguing, this was done on a Zoom call with 900 people where the CEO, Vishal Garg, basically went through the messaging and just basically told everyone that if you are on this call, it means that you are part of the group that's been terminated. Effective immediately. (laughs) Yes. And it's based on the market and efficiencies. So that message was fucked up. He made it about himself saying, the last time I did this, I cried. Like, really, is anyone on the call that's trying to figure out how they're going to pay their next mortgage really care that you cried the last time that you had to fire people? And there's so many things. Just before Christmas, what was the other thing, Serge? I think you heard something just this morning about how this is rippling through at better.com. Yeah, so three people resigned. So the VP of PR, VP of marketing, and another person resigned because they did not want to be involved or associated with this message. Hmm. So firing 900 people over Zoom, there's so many logistical challenges that I can think of is how do you know that everyone that was supposed to be on the call was actually on the call, right? Are these people going to find out after the fact? Are they going to find out from colleagues? Oh, it's, it's just wrong in so many levels. There's multiple points yeah. where like he went that. wrong. Yeah. yeah. So a mass notification is where he went wrong initially because losing your job can be traumatic. Every one of these 900 employees has a manager. Why not have the managers of those people meet with them either face-to-face or over a Zoom call? I get it. A lot of people are remote. Mm -hmm. It's not a Zoom call that's the issue. A Zoom call with 900 people wouldn't be more personalized, more, I don't know, real, authentic if you did it face-to-face? The other thing, like the logistics, like there's many challenges of just bring 900 people to a call. So many things that can go wrong. Like a lot of these people actually worked in office. Some of these offices were closed, but what's your overall feeling around doing a mass layoff over Zoom or whatever team meetings or whatever the best medium is? Well, I think what you had just said is ideally the person who should deliver the message is their direct supervisor. How this decision was made, I can't even begin to understand why he ever thought this would be a good idea. In a technology firm and 900 people at the same time means they're going to hang up the phone. Now they're going to start a support group on Facebook. How could he not think that this was not going to go viral on social media? Well, it's definitely gone viral on TikTok. This is where I first saw it was on TikTok. Someone recording the whole Zoom call and then putting the key elements on TikTok that don't make him sound good at all. The other thing that I found really fucked up is December. Like, okay, maybe they're thinking is, well, the financials of it, they want to get it in before the end of the year, but... 
what people don't realize is the day after they got $750 million in financing. So $750 million in financing. And this is an assumption, but I believe the layoffs were a condition of them getting financing. So that makes it even more fucked up. They literally just received $750 million Mm -hmm. and they're laying off 900 people right before Christmas. Come on, give me a break, dude. Well, sorry, I I didn't answer your question about termination by Zoom meeting. Would you rather have brought in people face-to-face, risk them being exposed to COVID or summer work from home, remote location? So I don't think it's a bad idea It's not a horrible thing to have a termination meeting over Zoom. There's only so many ways you can do it, right? I think Zoom is the next best alternative if you cannot bring people in, but it is a one-on-one conversation. Even if that conversation is just going to be, we no longer need your services. Today is your last day. I wish you the very best. And that's it. That's all you need to say in a typical termination meeting. Then HR steps in and says, well, here's what's going to happen with your benefits and your final pay. And then you're disconnected from the system, right? Yeah, I have no issues with Zoom layoffs in this current condition. I agree with you. Is it should be done one by one, or if it's a whole team, the manager with the whole team, maybe it's four or five people, but not a group of nine hundred. That's really where I have an issue. But I am not surprised because I dug into this guy's history, and to give you an idea. Yeah, please. Um, the guy like, has. Where did uh, this guy come from? Yeah. Okay. So he sent an email to the whole company a year ago. And I'll read to you Hello, wake up, better team. You are too damn slow. You are a bunch of dumb dolphins, and dumb dolphins get caught in nets and eaten by sharks. So stop it. Stop it. Stop you're it. Kidding me. Right now. You are embarrassing me. Get out. It, that is a true email that Forbes uncovered that was sent to them. Then I dug in deeper. The guy has several lawsuits against him, including his ex-business partner that he launched a business with. And when he's testifying, he trained his partner that he would burn him alive. So No, this guy. Like, how do people... It makes you wonder. The other thing he did. So I'm not done. Oh, there's more. Oh, Oh, yeah. The other thing. So after this announcement, he went on a medium that people were complaining about the layoffs, how it was handled. And he came on and said 250 people were actually working two hours a day, but clocking eight hours. They were stealing from the company. Is that true? What I've seen after the fact with people that have been fired are actually top performers. Everything that he said and the message, and and please, we'll share the video. It's hilarious because you can tell this is something that he was told not to do. He should approach it in a different way, but he thought he knew better. Let's just get it done. But Did the VP of HR quit? No. So I'll go back to that. (laughs) Head of marketing, the head of PR, and the VP of communication all resigned yesterday. And- I'm surprised the VP of HR didn't resign because let's just back up a second here. These three people resigning, I get it. They want to distance themselves. The fact is they failed in their job. A VP of PR, marketing, uh, communications, whatever. People in the C-suite or the executive suite, their job is to ensure this guy doesn't get in front of the microphone. Do you know what I mean? That's why you have a VP of public relations is to make sure that it nobody gives this guy 
a microphone. Well, that's because why that person resigned. Because at the end of the yes. day, well, and they should have resigned because yeah, they should. Well, you, you don't want to be associated. Yeah, but you are ineffective in your job as a VP of public relations if you cannot influence this rogue executive. And you said it best, Serge. He thinks he's smarter than anybody else, and he probably is when it comes to fintech. But you know, the fact that he would terminate nine hundred people and then say two hundred and fifty of those were thieves. What? So what about the other people? Why are they being terminated? What an idiot. Well, I don't think you can control. Like, I don't think you can. That's your job. Not to control search, influence. Well, you can try to influence, but when you're dealing with this type of personality that is testifying in trial and blurts out, I will burn you alive. How do you influence a person like that? You know, what'll be interesting is to see if they're investors pull out. Well, it's too late now. The money's already in the bank and they're regretting it because if you're getting a mortgage, would you look at better.com now? This keeps going more viral every day. We're getting more and more stories around it that makes this company look really bad. It just shows you that messaging and how you treat people can Mm -hmm. have a dramatic impact on your business. And we're seeing that more and more as companies and people are realizing that infinite growth is not what we're trying to achieve all the time. There's Mm -hmm. different ways to make people happy at work. This is one of the stories that we'll keep talking about. Fun to watch. Definitely check out better.com, Google it. It's a very interesting story. Yeah. Second thing I wanted to uh, jump on is social media. And we've talked a lot about this. And a lot of listeners are like, really? Social media for recruitment? That's like 10 years ago. Like, we're all doing that. Everyone knows how to do social media recruitment. I'm here to tell you that no. Because taking your job posting and putting it on LinkedIn and saying we're hiring (laughs) is not a social media strategy at all. I know. Any given day, Serge, honestly, just scroll and you get this, we're hiring. And that is the level of effort from somebody sharing a job. But what should you use social media for recruitment? How should you use it? Serge, first of all, understand when we say social media, are we referring to Facebook, TikTok, LinkedIn, Twitter? That's what we're talking about, right? Right. First of all, understand what to say on, call them channels. So what you say on LinkedIn, Twitter, or Facebook may be very different. And those channels, I think, are really great for branding, meaning assume that most people have never heard of your company and using those channels to ensure that it is creating some sort of awareness. I've seen people use LinkedIn to post their job and literally post a PDF of the job description and believe that's an effective tool. Yeah. If we look at how social media should be used for recruitment, to me, it's one Mm -hmm. critical element is showcasing culture. Not of this stock photos and all that corporate BS that we're all putting out. Real authentic view of what the culture is so the person can actually picture themselves working there. The other thing that we don't do a lot Using social media to communicate with job seekers, I'll check out Facebook pages that have job ads or have some type of culture element. Anytime someone responds or writes a comment, response rates are almost zero. No one actually responds to the question or a comment 
that the job seeker or potential job seeker is put in. So you should be using social media as a great way to communicate with your potential job seekers. Like what better medium? It's a two-way conversation. You can answer the questions. You can put out questions as well. You can determine what people are looking for by asking the question on social media. Why are we not using it in that way instead of just blankly we're hiring, here's my PDF of my job or a link to my Taleo ATS job posting. Yeah, so we start with LinkedIn, right? If we understand what is the purpose of LinkedIn and who's on LinkedIn and when is the right time to use that versus Facebook or you you just mentioned TikTok, right? Understand who your audience is and why you're using that particular type of social media. Is Twitter really the place you would hashtag hiring? Like, why would a company have something on Twitter? Who's Who are they trying to communicate with? I think they're trying to get more eyeballs to their jobs. And when Twitter was launched, uh, a lot of people leverage Twitter for job seeking. And I'm talking 2010. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say like... And I'll say Twitter is one of the best places to source. If you're sourcing web talent, web developers, any type of technical talent, you should be on Twitter. You should be sourcing because the thought leaders are there and they're accessible. One way to get a response from them is on Twitter. But when we're thinking about just putting a job out there and what people don't realize is... Organic is dead with most social media posts. Mm -hmm. So LinkedIn has been the holdover that you can still get decent traffic, decent response, decent visibility, but you can't anymore. You really have to do paid media. And I'm not talking about a job slot or a job posting on LinkedIn. If you're going to put out a message that talks about your employer brand, your culture, you can actually promote those so it gets in front of a much bigger audience because you will hit around 30% of your followers. So say you're a company, you're posting something about your culture, you have a thousand followers, you're probably going to hit 300 people out of those thousand, which is not a lot. So when you say hit, are you hitting them with, here's a job I think you might be interested in? When I say hit, I actually get in front and get viewership. So it doesn't matter if it's a job posting that you're putting on your, say, LinkedIn or Facebook feed, or you're putting something about your culture. It's it's going to get in front, and I'll use that instead of hit, around 30% of the followers that you have. That's not enough. This is where paid social media is underuse in recruitment. Because right now, if you go on Facebook, I would say 80% of your feed is some type of a marketing message. It's gone crazy. It is a marketing platform. Yeah. We're not taking advantage of that when it comes to not only posting our jobs. If your visuals and everything is an interesting job, it's not bad to share it, but you got to have a better message than we're hiring. But you should have eight items that showcase your culture before you post one job. Yeah. It should not dominate your feed. It should be a very small part of it. Paid social media marketing is the way to go if you want to get in front of a big audience through LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram. TikTok's a little bit different. TikTok is still very high in organic growth. You can get in front of a lot of people with a viral post. 
So Serge, do you believe that companies should have a social media manager or a social media coordinator? Because what you said was have at least eight pieces of content around culture. I know what it takes to get eight pieces of content. You've got a schedule, you've got a predefined brand and voice, and you've already put some intention and thought behind this. How many companies do you know that understand that? Well, I think it's a mixture. I, I agree that you need to have intention behind it, but you should not be searching for perfection. A lot of companies, especially corporate, and it drives me crazy. Before they actually release something, it takes years to get everything aligned and the message is already done. It's already changed. I think if you have intention with a real message, yes, you mm-hmm. should have someone managing this on a day-to-day basis. Right. Okay. It is a full-time job. And I just heard every recruiter in the audience take a breath. <laughs> Because I'll bet most people thought we are saying that you, talent acquisition, need to be doing this. And I don't think so. For any organization of size, this is someone's responsibility. Well, every organization that has a large recruitment team should have a digital marketing manager that social media management should be part of it. Should Uh, be part of their role. Yeah, this is actually somebody's job. Okay. It is someone's job. Yeah. Okay, good. Let me ask you a few things here, Serge. I'm going to change subjects now because I want to talk about asking people to provide a work sample different than giving them a skill assessment. And I've had clients recently asking about this. And my question back to them is, you know, it makes sense that you would want to see for certain jobs, a sample of their work. This is super common if you work in marketing or if you work in branding, or if you're in a more creative role. But do you know the whole idea of tests that are prepackaged, right? Where you ask somebody to take an assessment. I mean, Indeed's got them by the bucket loads. But asking somebody for a sample of their work, has it been successful for you? So there's a difference between a work sample and having a portfolio of the work you do. What we're talking here as far as a work sample is that I have this project that's going to take you a certain amount of time. Can you bring it home and bring it back to us? Example, a sales rep. They'll give you a scenario. Client is in this situation. So come back to me with how you would present to that particular client. And you have to go back, write it down, create a presentation around it and present it. I think that is uh, a massive challenge in this current mm-hmm. environment Yeah, because a lot of the time, these can take three, four, eight hours. I've seen situations where the actual sample that they were asked to do would take eight to 12 hours. What they're doing is asking them to do free work. And then there's the example of how would you create our marketing campaign so they go back, create a marketing mm-hmm. campaign, come back, present it, don't hire them, but steal the ID. That has happened as well. So when we are looking at work samples, we have to differentiate because if you have a portfolio, you can showcase it. Software yeah. developer, everything is on GitHub. Everyone can go take a look at your code. There's still a lot of questions, but you can ask the right questions based on this code of how they built it, what was the process, how they tested all this fun stuff. But mm-hmm. I am not against work samples, but they have to be very short and they have to be able to have an end result that makes sense. And so that's the first thing too that I think of is if you're 
coming up with some sort of test, then you need to be clear. Like even I think starting in grade seven, kids are given a rubric, right? Here's the things that are important and what to look for. I don't know too many clients that are sophisticated enough to build their own scoring rubric to make it fair and remove bias. Because otherwise you're saying you are deciding I'm the expert on this and I will write the questions and then I'll just decide if it's right or wrong. That is so dangerous because it's not fair. It's not transparent. And there's more than one way to get to the same end result, but it does open the door for even more bias or really making it just an overall awful candidate experience because do they get a chance to come back and defend? And if you're asked to do something that is creative, that they're not just using you for idea starters, because that does happen. I know you're right. It does. Coming back to the topic though, I would say to ask for work samples in certain industry sectors is reasonable. I think to ask someone to do eight hours of work for free is fine. If you're Microsoft, if you are applying for a role with a big brand, and this is a career marker for people to have worked for your company. But if you are anything less than a Microsoft or Nike or any of those big global brands, this is a really bad idea to ask people to jump through hoops and do presentations. And I mean, honestly, who do you think you are? Well, I don't disagree, but even companies like Microsoft and big brands are having a real challenge recruiting right now. If you have a test that takes more than 30 minutes, it's too long, is is my advice. The other thing, when we're talking to our hiring managers or recruitment team, this should not be the only reason we hire or not hire a person. Uh, we yeah, have to sure. take all the factors in, and this could be a small piece of it. Those are the things that you should look at when you're creating a work sample test. I'm personally not for it un unless there's very specific jobs, but for anyone that's a job seeker in any category right now, you should start building a portfolio of what you've done and what you've accomplished that you can easily share. It will give you mm -hmm. a leg up on a competition when you are applying for jobs and it could replace you doing those work sample tests because if they see it firsthand, it gives them that confidence that you have the ability to do the job. But you know my mentality, Shelly, hire fast, fire faster, like take <laughs> risks on some people, make sure yeah. they have all the qualifications, but if they don't work out, cut quickly. Yeah. It, that is really good advice because there's only so much you can do. And the more you drag your feet, the longer the position is going to stay open. You do need to move quickly. Yes. Yeah. So another fun episode. We've yeah. got a ton of fun stuff going on. We will be on next week with Joel Cheeseman from the Chad and Cheese Show Chris Russell from RecTech Podcast will be joining the HR Pod show where we will recap what's happened in 2021. So it's always fun to be with those guys. Mm -hmm. And we have a new episode that we'll be releasing potentially this month, but definitely in 2022. Our friend, the Job Board Doctor, will be recapping all the month's news in HR tech, and we will have a special episode that will be five minute that will give you all the all HR the tech news 
that you can listen to so you are fully informed. You don't need to go anywhere else but the Recruitment Flex to get all your recruitment news. So, Shelly, it's been a blast again. Have a great Thank weekend. Thank you, Serge. I hope you're feeling better. We'll talk soon. Thank you. The Jim Stroud Podcast explores the discoveries and trends forming the future of our lives. Brain-to-brain communication, robot bosses, microchip implants for workers, and artificial intelligence replacing human workers are all happening now. If you want to know what's happening next, subscribe now to the Jim Stroud Podcast.